Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I'm Leonora. It's Leonora, everybody! Yay! (laughs) So, um, yeah, we, we got our friend here and it's very good and exciting times. It's been a little while. Since I've been on this good podcast. times in the world, but... But, you know, yeah. we're having our own good times. Yes. We're making the best of it. We are. Uh, so, let's... We're, we're getting higgy. Yes. We're all very higgy. We have a candle. We have plaid. We have teas. Various teas. Everybody's various got teas. different teas. Yes. Same blank... Same... Uh, we got plaid matching. Plaid bl- blankets you know, all around. But different teas. Yes. It's, it's great. It's higgly. And we're happy to just have a quiet moment. Yes. <laughs> um, let's do Five Minute Masters. Sounds good. Are you going to begin, Alex? I shall. So I'm going to tell you about a mola mola. Mola mola! Also known as the ocean sunfish or common mola. We do love some marine biology. I love marine biology. I know that some of it is a little not so fun for you. You know what? It's it's all fascinating. Just some of it is Some of it is quite unsettling. It's horrifying. (laughs) So the mola mola is like an abomination. (laughs) It's a... Yes, tell me all about this bizarre creature. Uh, One of the heaviest known bony fishes in the world... (laughs) <laughs> wow, already? Adults typically weigh between 545 and 2,205 pounds. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> typically, but then there was a picture There's a picture of one caught in like 1910. It was 33,000 pounds. 3,000 pounds, <laughs> fish! They're awful looking, too. They are quite awful looking. I don't think I've ever seen I can show you one. some pictures. You're yeah. going to have to see one of these guys because they're the worst. They're just a big <laughs> vertical fish. They're so <laughs> broad. Just it, like a like a board. Just so like the, a big This is a bad picture because it's sort of shiny. What is it? It's like a plane. Like a flat plane that's a big fish. A bunch of what does it look like head on? Is Narrow. It? <laughs> so this is it from the side. What? And then that's it sort of. That's a yeah, you all at home can look that. up your own mola mola. Mola mola. <laughs> um, so they're great. They're basically cows of the sea. Aww. They just sort of float around eating jellyfish and various squids. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What a life. Um, what a life. They are not dangerous to humans, except for in rare accidents. Oh, oh no. <laughs> isn't it Isn't it a mola mola in that one video of that, like... Seal eating it? No. No, I was thinking about the guy that's like, Jay, it's a baby wheel. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that one. It's a freaking baby wheel. <laughs> there, is, there is either a clip or a picture of, like... Seals will just take bites out of just them. Just chomp them. Oh, no. And then they just keep on going. Because <laughs> they're so big. What can they do? They can't fight them. They're just they can keep, barely move. They just keep on cruising. <laughs> they're so big. If they're missing 10% of their body, it's, they have. They still have the other it's 90. It's like if a galleon was alive. Just a big oh, ship my. that's a fish. It wow. can't do a lot. It just moves. So wow. when they're born, they are... They weigh less than one gram. What? Because they start off as a larva, sort of like a larva-ish kind of... Just a little... Sea critters are weird. They're so weird. Um, And once they become... So, when they become adults, they grow many millions of times their original size. Like, yeah, if it's just a little fucking guy, (laughs) and then he grows to 3,000 pounds. And there's not a picture... um, but they also are sort of a different proportion when they're little. They're more, um, they a have, little bit longer. Yeah, their 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 um, pectoral fins oh. are. I think that's the sideways ones. Yeah, they're wider than they are tall, so oh. they're like sort of different shape, like more like a fish. Yes. Wow. Um, but they're very big. <laughs> they're docile. Um, pose no threat to human divers. Injuries from sunfish are rare, although a slight danger exists from large sunfish. Leaping out of the water onto boats. 
In one instance, a sunfish landed on a four-year-old boy when oh, the no. fish leaped onto That's... the boy's family boat. Oh, terrible! No. It doesn't say oh. how, how bad it was. What happened to the boy? Yeah, it doesn't say in this this, but uh, I'm sure he oh, was. Man. I'm hopeful that he was. He it was a recoverable right. injury. <laughs> Oy. Oh, jeez. Buddy, buddy. Can you imagine? Just, how does it jump out of the water? They must get up to some speed. They must, yeah. I can't picture one of those boys swimming that fast, but no. they must to leap that way. Yeah, that's... I, they're just ridiculous, boy. right? And you they're can catch them in flopping. Animal Crossing. Oh, yes. They're, they're, they're really big in Animal mm-hmm. Crossing, too. Um, the only other dangerous thing is sometimes you might hit them. Just run into them. With your oh, boat. imagine. You're just like, what? <laughs> Ocean <was> speed bumps. <laughs> They're oh just my. so like. And, and I, I, it doesn't say this on here, but I think I've read before that we're not sure if they feel or not. <laughs> well, if they just don't respond when a seal is chomping bites off exactly. of them. We're not sure if they have uh, the same sort of. Feelings. Nerve endings yeah. that we do? Something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a little brief. Uh, introduction to the Mola Mola. Yeah, I remember there was a there was a post going around on Tumblr just ripping <laughs> into them, just like they're the worst thing that's ever lived, and here's all the reasons why they're terrible animals. <laughs> <laughs> they sound innocent and sweet to me. Sure, but, they, but uh, just like, like inefficient and yeah, these a just bad weird, creature. Yeah, these weird people who are, have like, judgments about like evolution. It's like, yo, it ain't it a make... straight line, everybody. Right. They're getting Sometimes along. Sometimes creatures are weird giant lumps that swim around. And they seem to be doing aight. I mean, they're so huge. They're crazy. They they get huge. They start off oh, tiny. <laughs> wow. All right, what's what's your contribution today, Leonora? I want to tell you about the British village of Denby Dale. Denby Dale, which is the most like fake sounding it's British place so name. So English. Um, the village of Denby Dale is a self-proclaimed pie village. <laughs> pie number or pie food? Food. food. Okay. They, it's that English. They okay. have had a history of making giant pies. For over 200 years. 200 years? The first recorded making of a pie in the village was in 1788 to celebrate the recovery of King George III from mental illness. You know how he did. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing about the Danby Dale pies is that they're kind of cursed. There have been been 10 total quote-unquote largest pies made in Danby Dale. Usually whenever the village needs money, they're just like, let's bake a giant pie for publicity Mm -hmm. and fundraising. So basically they started by like, whenever there was a big event in the world, they would bake a pie. And the first few pies were small. They were reasonable just to feed like maybe 20 people. Just a a big family size pie. (laughs) So, So then in 1887... There was Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee, and they decided to make a giant pie. Uh, Yeah. Eight feet in diameter, weighing nearly one and a half tons. It's a mola mola pie. And they decided (laughs) to fill it with... Oh, no. Like... Oh, no. What what this article says was gamey grouse and a skinned fox... Why would that be the filling for your auspicious golden jubilee pie? I do not know, it but apparently... It sounds like the plot or the like the, the bad ending of a Roll Doll book. <laughs> it, this whole thing is no, like, like that. What your, your wicked aunt feeds you. So <laughs> they, basically, the a they basically put a bunch of really debatable meat into this giant eight foot pie. And a fox. In the middle of summer. <laughs> it was hot outside. And this All the, the better to bake the pie. The 1880s. Oh, the English with their and hot pies. People started <laughs> to get sick from eating the pie. And so they deduced that it had spoiled. They yeah. par- they paraded the remains of the pie through the streets in a funeral style. <laughs> <laughs> and they buried it in a park. They poured one out for the pie. And then they gave it a they buried they, it in a park? It's still there? They buried it in I mean, quicklime in a park, and it oh, still quick, is under the ground somewhere. Just the rotten 
Yeah. Rotten remnants of yes. the Queen's Jubilee. So then the next month, they baked a quote-unquote resurrection <laughs> And that one went fine. But they took a long break. They made a couple of other large pies in the early 1920s. And then they decided to make big custom, like, lengthwise pie tins so that they could bake the whole thing simultaneously, like, in a row. Yeah, how do you bake a big, big round pie? They decided it was impractical because by the time they got it baked through, the edges of it had all spoiled. It only took centuries to determine this. So then they started going for the Guinness World Record. Oh, no. For largest pie. And the first one apparently went fine. And then in the 1960s, pie number eight was was uh, cursed by an unfortunate event on the way to the pie baking arena or whatever it was. <laughs> I don't know. Four people who were like the officials who were in charge of making the pie got in a car accident and died. Oh no, it's like Tutankhamun's tomb. Yes. <laughs> so then they took another long break. Long break. Until 1988, when they baked a 20 foot long, 7 foot wide, and 18 inch deep pie. Two hundred years after the first recorded That's pie, like this the deep. There has been That's too and deep. then in the year two thousand, the last pie, the which actually pie. went fine, was forty feet long and weighed twelve tons. And it went That's fine. That's twenty four thousand pounds. They haven't done it since. That's eight and mola molas full grown. <laughs> that pie is, I believe, mentioned in the Guinness Book of World Records. Well, one would hope after centuries of they trying finally got it. that they managed this. Wow, that's horrific. So that is the story of the the fox and the pie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the Denby Dale pies. Listen, just just don't bake record breaking pies for monarchs. It seems maybe to be cursed. don't put meat in the pie. Listen, they're that's English. That's they the do. only thing they know. <laughs> but, like, the fact that they were trying to cook it piece by piece and let the other bits rot. Yes. Yeah. You can't... I mean, they don't have an oven that big. And it was the, the 18... It was the 1880s. The 1880s. They were doing their best. It, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> there was... When I first heard this story, there was a rumor that I heard, which is incorrect, okay. that somebody had fallen in one of the pots. <laughs> Apocryphal. I believe that when the people died on the way to the pie, that story got out of hand eventually. They thought people died in In the pie. pie. (laughs) That's tempting. So yes. No one no one died by falling into a Denby Dale pie. Well, maybe still don't eat pies in Denby Dale. I would say Steer clear of the pie. They do have like a pie shop there. They probably have more than one. I wouldn't have a regular sized pie in Denby Dale. I'm sure they're probably good at that. Probably. One would hope, after all this time, yes. they, they at They've least perfected the, the conventionally sized pie. Yes. <sighs> well, today I'm going to tell you about an instrument called a waterphone. Okay. A waterphone. Have you heard of it? It sounds familiar. Phone? I've never heard of it. So it is an inharmonic, acoustic, tuned idiophone. Mm. So idiophones are a class of instrument... Um, where it's sort of like the, the sound created is, um, from the vibration of the instrument itself. I think I might have heard of it. Like a triangle or something, rather than having like strings or a membrane, it's the whole body that vibrates and makes the noise. Um, it, it, it consists of a stainless steel um, resonator bowl or pan, okay. um, sort of like a, a domed bowl at the bottom, and then at the middle of it, it's kind of closed off, there's a um, cylindrical neck coming up, and a series of rods of different lengths sticking up from the rim of the bowl. Okay. It's very, I'll, I'll show you a picture, um, but the resonator, the bowl, um, usually contains a small amount of water. That's why it is called a water, water phone. phone. Um, and you 
play it in various ways. You can strike it, you can bow the rods, um, but it makes crazy noises and is usually used to make spooky music for horror movies. Like so now I know why you had headphones in when you were doing I your needed research. to find a clip of a water phone and make sure it was a good one. Yeah, it just makes like really crazy sort of ethereal noises, like, very echoey. Like a theremin. Not like a theremin. No. It doesn't really sound like a theremin at all. Oh. Uh, like saws kind of sound like a theremin. Yeah. But no, <laughs> not this. Um, so they, they're available in multiple sizes. There's like the standard seven inch diameter one. And then there's one called a whaler, which is a 12 inch diameter. <laughs> Whaler. The base, which is 14 inches, and the mega base, which is 16 inches. I believe the one is called a whaler because these are actually used to, because you can play them underwater. You can actually use them to, like, call out to, like, whales. So, W-H oh. rather than W-A-I. Yeah, no, whale. Whaler. Whaler. Uh, but, you know, different musicians, mm-hmm. weird type musicians will use them but they are yeah they're used and they have been used successfully to call whales and other cetaceans um especially by jim nolman of interspecies communication um there is uh there, there is a stage show an album called the boy who wanted to talk to whales which is based on the true story of this like interspecies communication Using a water phone. Uh, Very interesting. Um, But I'm going to play you a clip. This is, okay. And you can see the video as well as I play it, so you can see what it looks like. Um, It makes just a terrible sound. You know the noise. Oh. Yeah, I want to make sure. That's weird. And they're using, that's what you mean by a bow. I thought... Like an instrument. Yeah. And you kind of wiggle it around to, like, modify the noise as as it resonates. Yeah. So you know the noise. I associate it with, like, crime TV. Crime TV or, like, spooky moments yeah. in horror films. It's the moment when they find the body. Ugh, that was dreadful. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how they do it. So that's a water phone. That's... Isn't that neat? Eerie as hell. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And like you're now, you hear it and you're like, oh shit, I never really thought about what was making those sounds. Next time I watch Hannibal. It's all over Hannibal. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, for sure. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what a water phone is and I love it. Kind of sounds like the sound they play on Kitchen Nightmares when Gordon Ramsay doesn't like the food. It is. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. That's not a joke. I'm sure every like TV person that does like the music. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just has it. Water phones. They're, right there. They're yeah. yeah. It's in you know Poltergeist. Let the right one in. Yeah. Uh, the Matrix. Dark Water. Aliens. Kind of funny that it's in the movie Dark Water. Yeah, I know, because it's a water phone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all over. I mean, everybody, everybody's using them. They're just very cool. Apparently, Tom Waits collects them. Really? Of course he does. Of course Tom he does. Waits. Uh, yeah, love it. That's, that's that's the water phone. That's delightful. You can call all you want, but there's no one home. Because you're not going to reach my water phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little freestyle from Alex. <laughs> That's a telephone. Some telephone. So, we just watched Atomic Blonde. Yes. Moments ago. Mo- yes. mere, mere moments ago, we finished this movie. So, Alex and I had not seen it. This was, I think, my third time watching it. And that's real useful because, boy, it's a twisty and turny film. I'm not sure I have my head around all those twists. Yeah, but they're not, like, that twisty. It's not like, here comes a twist. Well, but it's just kind of like, wait, he was... Yeah. And it's, he it's actually, that was, he was lying and she it's actually... It's an evasive The, the first movie, time you watch say. it, you're like, oh, yeah, I, that it, was a twist? Yeah, it's like, kind of yeah. hard to understand what's going on a little bit because it's yeah. sort of running from you. It's it's very so, complex. 
I saw this movie in the theater, and I was expecting it to be something else. Everybody was. Yeah. Because it's not John Wick. It isn't. It's got some... You know, has, you could compare the fight scenes. Yeah, because, I mean, the director of this movie was, a, like, a stunt coordinator and worked on John Wick. Makes sense. So... You can I, see the you can yeah. see the similarities. You can see yeah. the intersections and the stylistic yeah. but kinds of things. The fight scenes are like maybe a quarter of the movie or less. Right. This is a lot more about espionage. Yes. It's sort of an old school spy movie. It does feel very old school. Very John Le Carre. Like, yeah, and it's not just because it takes place in nineteen eighty nine. Like yes, it really though does. It really fucking leans into that. It does lean into <laughs> it in every possible way. But, but it also just sort of feel it's got that vibe and i think when you are expecting that it's a better movie probably it, it always helps to not be like expecting something you're not gonna get yeah uh yeah because i can co- sort of see like the type of person that only really watches action movies yeah being, feeling like because it's a, bored. It, it's a yeah. slow burn it is quite slow it nothing really happens for the first at least yeah. Until you've seen the, the yeah. whole thing, nothing's really yeah. happening. A lot of it is set up. Yeah. But mm. it's so, like, subtle about mm-hmm. being set up. And it's like, wait, That it feels random at first. And it's a little and jumpy. It's yeah. a little jumping around. Yeah. It's, it's jumping around a lot. And I think I really love it on the rewatch because then it doesn't matter as much trying to keep track of it all. And you can just kind of luxuriate in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to luxuriate in in terms of atmosphere and yeah, stylistic the lighting, choices. The lighting <laughs> is, is, is... Oh, yeah. It, visually, just so striking. Some amazing cinematography, amazing yes. editing. Yes. Like, there's some really good stuff going on visually and, like, in the soundtrack. Just great sound design, great music choices. Very stylish film. Costumes. Oh, the costumes. Wigs. Wigs galore. Charlize. Yes. Charlize. Yeah, great cast, The whole cast is delightful. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of, like, a lot of probably local talent. Yes. Because it's filmed in in Berlin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And besides, like, the main three. (laughs) Yeah. And and the the people back in uh, London. Yeah. The characters back in London. It's really not a a known among them. Right. So the basic premise yes. is it's it's 1989, just prior to the collapse of the it's Berlin Wall. Sort of charting the 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 final days about the week before the wall comes yeah, down. Yeah, it's just days. Yeah. Um, and the movie uh, is counting down to it very yeah. like notably. And an MI6 agent James Gascoigne is killed by a KGB agent um, yeah. who steals this list. Yes. Our MacGuffin, um, which is a document um, concealed in a wristwatch that contains the names of every intelligence agent active in Berlin on both sides of the Cold War. Uh, And our uh, ubiquitous blonde, she is uh, Lorraine Broughton. Broughton, yes. Yes. Lorraine Broughton. Very British name. Um, and she's a, an MI6 spy, ostensibly, yeah. <laughs> um, who is basically there to recover. So, essentially, <sighs> in Berlin, the British already have an agent, Agent Percival. Percival. What a name choice, huh? Yes. Percival is a hell of a name for this character. And he, David Percival. He has, as they explained to Lorraine at the beginning, gone native. Yes. A little and, bit uh, uh, Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. He's been there for a long time. And he's kind of a little bit not so reliable. And so ostensibly they need him to recover the list. Mm-hmm. And they're sending her over to help him. Yes. But they also know that there is a double agent Somewhere... Satchel. Satchel. And they're hoping that she can also uncover Satchel. Yes. And so the framing device of the film is her being interrogated well, afterwards. Well, she's more being debriefed. Yeah. But it's also an interrogation. It is an interrogation, because there's there's people there. There's, yeah. people there. there's a big old recording but, machine. Yes. Again, but, but they're 
they're not. It's not as though she's like being threatened right, or that's imprisoned. True. She's being she's, debriefed. They're she's just recording there to, the debrief. She's there to tell them how the mission went down. Yes, and she's covered in bruises. Yes, yes she's she's real messed up. We've got we've got uh, a British agent played by Toby, Toby Jones, Jones and an American agent played, played by, by John Goodman. John Goodman looking great. Yeah, looking fabulous. And uh, and, and C, who is like. The big MI6 boss. guy behind the two-way yeah. mirror. And she knows he's there. Yeah, she's staring at him the yeah. whole time. So, yeah, lots of twisting and turning. We Our MacGuffin turns into a man briefly. Well, because... Uh, Spyglass. Yes. Spyglass is the, the officer of the East German secret police who is valuable to everyone because he memorized he the list. He memorized the list and he is defecting to the West. With his family. Yes. And, and he'll basically, it seems like, make a deal with anybody who will get him out. Yeah. Yes. And it, you're, it's, you, you're never, until the very end, clear <laughs> on where anybody's loyalties lie. That's the whole point. Yes, because it's the Cold War. Everybody's working for somebody else. Yes. Everybody's got their own agenda. Uh, it's great. You don't know who's being honest and when. You do not know. The most honest people in this movie are our adorable French girlfriend. Yes. She's a new spy. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't <laughs> learned to be dishonest yet. Yep. She's still green. Yep. She's still sweet. And then we have a shockingly trustworthy Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> Looking yes. adorable. Yes. Yes. And when does he play a good boy? He's like the leader of the secret East German youth movement. Yeah, like a youth rebellion. Yes. It's great. I love it. <laughs> he's just he's just good. Yeah. He has a cute haircut. A cute haircut. He's very nice to Lorraine. Yeah. He's not scary at all. Not even a little bit scary. He's kind of cheeky. He's yeah. great. I'm searching for something to say about the... Okay, let's just talk about the characters. Yes. Um, Because I just... Man, McAvoy's performance in this movie. He's feral. He is He's wild. Yeah. He's... And it's great. I'd love yeah. to see him this way. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he gets often to play a character... I mean, I suppose more recently he's just played like... A straight-up monster. Right. But outside of that, he doesn't often play, like, villainous characters. Yeah. I mean, it's great to see. I think he does a great job of playing that sort of, like, charmingly sinister kind of thing. Where you're like, you're sleazy. Yeah. But you're really good at it. You (laughs) you do want to like him for some part of the film before it turns out. He's got a lot of charisma. Yeah, before he has too many interactions with Charlize. Yeah. And I mean... Then she, you're, like, on her side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because he's got, like... He just, keep, like, continually has, betrays her. Yeah, and he, he has these, stops. like, misogynistic undertones oh, that yeah. turn into overtones. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah, a yeah. creep. He some, that one really gross look. He's yeah. a real creep. Uh, so he turns out to be... So he, he was working with the KGB... Yes. ...in order to stop them from getting the list... So he's so, <laughs> just okay. This is where this is where it seen gets the movie difficult. Three times comes in handy. Yes, it's not really. He's not working for anyone except himself. Right. That's why he has so that he, line. He wants the I list so that he has leverage. Berlin. Yes, and he basically he's been here ten years. Uh-huh. He's seen all kinds of treacherous shit. And he loves and he's it. decided that <laughs> this is where he lives. This that like whatever like sociopathic tendencies that he has really thrive mm-hmm. here. And so he's he's just playing sides against yes. each other. He's so, not so chaos. Yes, he's just a, an agent of chaos. He's the and, Joker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <gasps> but yeah, okay. So yeah, he's playing sides against each other. He's and basically he wants just trying the, he to. He wants the list for himself. Mm-hmm. He probably just wants to sell it. Probably, but or he like just, use it as protection. Or it something. doesn't even. It doesn't even matter. He has a totally nihilistic. Viewpoint. He doesn't. He wants to handicap both sides because he doesn't want anyone to win. Yeah, he, he wants. wants he wants perpetual. the. He wants the Cold War to continue. Right, like when once at the night that you know the wall is falling, it's sort of like he's like, this is it. Like this yeah. is the end. Uh, and it's not like thank God it's over. It's like 
where do we go exactly from here? yeah how can and it his be over? final and monologue is like he, he loves this shit this and, is why he even lives. when yeah. they're in the uh the march mm-hmm. like he's planned ways for it to go badly for mm-hmm. the characters that we're focused on mm-hmm. but you'd think also a shooting at a peaceful march would would extend things yeah yeah Uh, it makes things worse yeah that's his whole goal i mean and what we learn about the list at the very beginning is significant because we learn that if the list got out it would extend the cold war by 40 years yes and that's absolutely this guy's goal right if nothing else because he has this huge contraband business right he's selling western goods in east berlin and he's living like decadently off of that in like a weird sort of underworld kind of yeah. way yeah yeah it's like this disheveled apartment full of books full and, of jeans and, and yeah <laughs> yeah and liquor so that's and... like his whole but what does he say about the 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 it's straight from the tit, tit of the virgin, of virgin mary, mary yes. <laughs> and it's just jack it's daniels, jack daniels. <laughs> yeah but in east berlin right mm-hmm yeah, That's, it's precious. So it's it's yeah. in his best interest, if only for that reason, that this that this never stop. Because he's he's living well. Yes. Off of this, and he's kind of like, I like him as a villain because he's this like perilous idea of like what happens if you go too deep and lose the plot when you're in this kind of job. Right. Because originally, ostensibly, everything he does, he was doing fake, undercover, mm-hmm. and it eventually became his whole personhood. Yeah, it's very. I mean, honestly, I get big Heart of Darkness vibes from this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like big Kurtz vibes. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he just he's he's so deep in it. And I think really he's there so that at the very end we wonder if Lorraine has also lost herself. Right to the job, and it makes us really think that. Yeah, for for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. So in the end, yeah, he's not loyal to anyone. Yeah. And her loyalties are. Very obfuscated. Yeah, just not what we would think. Right. Well, boy, yeah. <laughs> it, it really throws you a loop on that one because, of course, at first we were told she's an MI6 agent. Yeah, and also, it at least with some little weird flashback moments, aren't we sort of led to assume that she was with the agent who died? Gascoigne, yes. yes, that yeah. they were lovers. Yes, absolutely. Um, And then... We sort of get some, we start getting sort of suspicious of her. We're like, what is your deal? Like, who are you really? Where are you? Because she's sort of just wandering around beating up the police. Well, no. I mean, that's her. fine. They're after her, but like, what yeah. is she really doing? Yeah. Well, so she's ostensibly trying to get to Spyglass find, yeah. out of East well, Berlin. Well, for the first half of the movie, she's just trying to find the list. Find yeah. the list. And that... Basically doesn't go anywhere. Right. So then she gets Spyglass, and yes. she's trying to get him out of East Berlin, and he dies. Eventually. After, after a lot of trial. We have and, to go yeah. back to that sequence. Like, let's, let's finish Because that's what makes of, the movie special. Yeah, yeah. That's the best part of the movie. Um. So after Spyglass gets got. Yeah. She knows, based on context clues, that it was Percival who made that Percival happen. Percival has betrayed her. Yes. Um, and she and never really trusts him. No. But, at no point does yeah. she feel that he is, like, yeah, trustworthy. Yeah. But she, now she knows that he is actively an enemy. Yes. Um, and so then she's kind of at war with him. Yep. He kills her girlfriend. <sighs> so sad. Yeah. It's, really it's, wretched scene. It's, yeah. Uh, and then. But, but she gets him good. She yeah. Gets, she makes him look like a fool. Yes. It's. Oh, she, she yes. stabs him in the back yeah. in, near his shoulder blade, and he can't reach he the can't knife. He can't reach the yeah. knife. It's great. And, and then, he like, bangs into the into wall, the, and it, then yeah. it gets deeper. Oh. Yeah. oh, ouch. Yeah, there's a lot of really yes. miserable injuries in this oh, movie. Oh, for sure. There's um, some corkscrew there's action. Corkscrews, uh, keys in the face. Oh, the, the keys face. in the face behind the cinema. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the Kino. Um, yeah. <laughs> and eventually, yeah, she sort of figures out that he has the list all along. Yep. Kills him and takes the list. Takes the list because she knows that it's in the watch. She knows it's in the watch. Uh, One thing I wasn't clear on oh, yeah. is how she knew it was in the watch. She was told. Okay. At the very beginning. Okay. They, I was, they, you just, was, there's a lot. There's a lot that happens. At the very beginning, they tell her <laughs> Gascoigne was wearing it as a watch. Okay. And I do remember them like yeah. looking at it. Like yes. dissecting the watch. So. Yes. Yeah. So she ends up framing 
Percival yes. as Satchel. Uh, by cutting together, she's just always oh, wearing a wire. She, she so, basically recorded every conversation anyone was having in the whole that movie. That was where I was like, oh. So, yeah, she basically she, is recording every conversation and she cuts them all together to make it look like hard evidence. That he was, was working with the KGB. Yes. Because she has photographs of him setting up the like the betrayal at the march. Courtesy of Delphine, which Courtesy is like Delphine. the one way in which she does get one over on and she, she has little survive. chats with every party. Yes. And so she's able to cut together yeah. a tape that makes it sound like he was conspiring and about the list. a lot of conversations in the movie that feel random or like filler are yeah. leading up to yeah, that yeah, yeah, specific moment. You get all moment. these bits and pieces mm-hmm. that she uses yep. to make it look like yep. he is. Like when she's at the bar yes. and the guy just comes up and we're like, he's kind of gross. Yeah. And then you realize, oh shit, she's playing she, him. She wants him to say these things. Yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. Uh, and then it turns out in the end that she was Satchel. She was working with the KGB. But then she was double crossing the KGB also. Yes. And she's actually American all along. (laughs) Yeah. And she's working with John Goodman. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. The idea of this being that the British would never have agreed to this. Of course. Yeah. So let's go back. To this incredible sequence because yes. it's really I mean you know it's it's a fun movie you know lots of great twisty plot things yeah, and great characters visually great but this sequence in the middle of the movie yeah. when she's trying to get Spyglass out of Ber- East Berlin yeah. it is such a masterwork of course if you have an eye for it you can tell it isn't all actually one take but yeah. there are some very long takes yes. and they're cut together very very well yes. it is breathless it is exhausting yes is there music through any of that either i know no. when only that diegetic yeah it's all yeah we do get some diegetic yeah. music but yeah it's yeah just fighting yeah so yes there it begins when Spyglass is shot, shot. Yep. by Percival. And I love, before that, I love the umbrella The umbrella sequence. shield is great, so the sniper can't get him. And that pays off well, because it pays off the scene earlier where she was talking to Bill Skarsgård about how mm-hmm. he has the youth in his pocket. And so he, he gets them gives the all, signal, yep. and they all pop up their umbrellas, and they shield uh, Spyglass from the snipers, uh, but... Guy on the ground shoots him. Yeah, Percival, he just takes matters into his own hands. Yeah. So, Spyglass is bleeding. Yeah. She, they duck into, like, an apartment building. Well, she spots, she uses a car mirror to yeah, spot, spot the, the snipers, snipers, and they duck into that yeah, building so she the, can take them out. Yeah, where the snipers are. Um, what ensues is just brutal... Matchup after matchup, as she's yep. just taking these men down one by one. Yep, first she's on the stairs. She's on the stairs, and but it's, it's but amazing it's, it's not, steady cam work. It, it, it's so brutal because it's not just one by one. Like, she's on two guys yeah. for like three oh, minutes wild. at least. And they all, they don't die. No, no they're like they made of armor. Yeah. And she gets real <laughs> fucked up. And yeah, so she, there's this burst of fight on the stairwell. Yeah. And the whole stair bit, I don't think has a single cut. Yeah, and it's all steady cam. Yeah. And so you're just right up in there and it's a great choreography. You know, well, it is not the like... choreography, I don't even know how they did it because there's, people there's like one guy getting down knocked the down the stairs yeah. while the cameraman is next to them. Yeah. Really at... meticulous stuff. <sighs> Amazing And then she's having to like take all these hits and falls and it's getting like bruised and bloodied up and it's all in the same shot. Like yeah. and they're spitting blood. Yeah. It's really, really impressive work. Uh and it's great because it's not the sort of born identity style, just shaky everybody's yeah. like. None of the fighting like, none of the fighting all, in this movie is it's, it's all clear. Yeah. Um and just brutal stuff, corkscrews. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, and she just, the, yeah, the moment with the corkscrew, when they're both just, like, barely standing, and, and they just still have to keep fighting to the death. By then, they're in, like, a room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get to in a room with yeah. rugs all over the place. Yes. And that's the first place where you think there might be some cuts, where they're, like, As the camera falling into the camera around, and stuff and, like yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, they literally would have absolutely had to, because, because they're the, breaking yeah, tables, so they're knocking shit over. Yeah. Uh, and then by the end, we have Spyglass has, like, patched himself up with duct tape. Yes. All for naught. Uh, yeah, so they, they man- she manages to take out these men in this um, 
residential building. They get back downstairs um, and they get a car. Right. They steal like a, a police car. Yeah, they steal a police car. She holds a gun to a police officer's and head. And we're still all in steady cam. Yep. Yep. This and is all ostensibly one take. Spyglass is ribbing her about her terrible her German. Her terrible German. We gotta get a little levity in here because this is brutal. Um, and then, and then we we're getting into this yeah, wild this is where car we had shot. No idea what was happening. Yeah, I don't know the, how they did the it. The camera's just whipping back and forth from like looking forward it's from the back like on seat a pendulum to looking backwards from the front seat. It's, it's like in seat. four positions, basically yeah. back and forth. Yeah, just like whoosh. whipping around, and looking first through it through the must windshield have and then been through the like back. Four camera angles stitched together, but yeah. I don't know how because it doesn't feel stitched together. It feels no. except that it's impossible. It's so impossible. <laughs> it feels like it feels like either you were literally in between them yes or but it's it like, like a camera takes, down like through the roof it takes their perspectives sometimes and it's also like cameras are big yeah, yeah. that's the thing it's like you it would have had to have been that. this little teeny tiny camera you just can't yeah uh, it so, makes you like it breaks the illusion of not it creates the illusion that there is no camera right you're just and you're flying just there. through space yeah yeah, it's it's really remarkable, and of course, at this point, it still feels as though there has been no cut. Yes. This all feels continuous since they went into the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're driving car chase. Just so the tension is just high. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy who got the corkscrew in the eye, he's still alive. They he jumps on the hood of the over. car. Yeah, she runs him right over. Yeah. Um, yeah, being chased, being car shot chase. at. Yeah, uh, and finally they stop by the river. Well, the the. Cut right. happens when they in go the through an intersection. Oh, and, and this, this the one big truck. There's like this, hit by this a big like truck. balletic, yeah, like, just this <laughs> car spinning just spinning car. through the air, and that's when we finally cut. Yeah. And then they stop their car, and we can breathe <laughs> for a brief. The, moment. the really ominous thing I noticed on the rewatch, <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe. That is the same exact place where Gascoigne is killed. I think you're right. It looks similar. The same location. I believe you're right. So that's a bad sign. Yep. Pretty ominous. Um, because of course, then Mister Haircut comes rams running up, into yeah, them. rams their car, runs yep. them into the river, and Spyglass's leg is stuck, yep. and he drowns. Yep. The car hits on his side, mm-hmm. and so it crunches around his leg. And it's kind of significant that that happens because you see later that Haircut Man thinks that Lorraine is working for them. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. So he's making very sure... Not to kill her. Not to kill her. To hit his side instead. Uh-huh. That's why he waits until they've pulled over in that exact oh. position. Man. So did she know that was going to happen then? Unclear. Whoa. Unclear. She Triple seems Agent to be trying brain. very hard to get him out. Yes. No, she does. Which would mean she that she wants him yeah. alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very possible that it just ended up looking to Haircut Man like this is what he was supposed to do. Yeah. That she set him up for yeah. it. Wow. But um, none of this was the plan, right? Because she wasn't even counting on snipers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Because it was Percival who set up exactly. the snipers. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. yeah let's, that name is great because it's the most sort of English and heroic yeah. name possible. Like, like yeah. it could have only been more heroic if his name had been Arthur Percival. Like, yep. <laughs> and I think, I think that the tension for me in this debriefing framing device mm-hmm. is like, will she be able to convince this room of stuffy men that they're like golden boy who they were kind of suspicious of, but they're still like, he's an officer of the crown and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Will, will she be able to convince them that he was fucking evil? Yeah. That he was, he was a double crosser yeah. and, and loyal to the KGB. Like, and she, even though like, the, the narrative she spins isn't exactly true. Mm-hmm. It's very convincing. It's, it's, it's also easy for us not to care because he was so terrible. Oh yeah. No, he yeah. got, he got everything he deserved. Yeah, Fuck that absolutely. guy forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he sucks a lot. Um, he's very fun though. Yes. <laughs> he's a yeah. very entertaining yeah. character, uh, but no, he's, he's the worst and it's fine that the world believes that he was a was, defector. Yeah. Because Absolutely. he may as well have been. Yeah. And he wasn't really doing anything in their interest. He was doing no. Yeah, no. Interest. Yeah, exactly. No, but it, it it looked it worked better for her interest that yeah. he just take the fall for her. Um, yeah. And then, you know, ultimately, she wasn't loyal to the Russians either. No. She was American the whole time. Yeah. What do you think of that? 
I... The first time I just had question marks above my head. Uh-huh. And now I'm kind of like, well, it was too late to have her be British because she was clearly pulling one over on the British. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be very satisfying if she turned out to be Russian after all we've seen. Right. It wouldn't make any sense. No. So it was really just the last remaining option. <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah. But I think it... I think it's interesting only because it makes you consider, makes you reconsider her actions and whether they actually mean anything and how easy or not it is to root for her as a person. And Mm -hmm. I don't have answers to those questions, but that's why I find it interesting. Or how her actions would have benefited the United States. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean... Because now the United States has the list. Yes. So it's, it's not in British hands. Yeah. I mean, so that ultimately is how it benefits. That yeah. Ulti- yeah. That the, the United States has the list of all of the yep. agents in Berlin. Yeah. Um, and that's the MacGuffin. Yeah. So she gets yeah. the MacGuffin for her side. Yeah. And ultimately, though, does it really mean anything? It means that the Cold War gets to end. Yeah, exactly. But you can... And the United States is untrustworthy yeah well we all knew that it's the cold war that's the thing everyone is untrustworthy like right and it's just it's just a matter of are you a moral person and at the end like she gets to go home good for her she survived she i do think though and there has been sequel talk for this movie and i would be so interested yeah, it's I don't know so if they rooted could, in a time and place. I don't know if they could do it, but I would be interested to see them try. Like, where do you go after the Cold War? But I think, yeah, that's the thing. Part of me is like, she works better as an enigma. Right. But part of me is like, what is she really Who like is she? when she's not... I mean, she just seems depressed. Yeah, she's just <laughs> a lonely person. Because everyone she gets involved with dies. And she just can't be honest with anyone. And that's, the, for John that's <laughs> the one thing that that Percival says that's kind of true. He's like, everyone who gets close to you fucking dies. Yes. It's true. Um, I'm just super curious how you would do a story like this after the Cold War ends. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I it could know. be her, like, trying to retire and have a normal life and then yeah. people come after her, but... Just, just John, John Wick. Wick. That's just John Wick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what people want. I, I think this is interesting, though. Mm-hmm. This is... This is yeah. It's definitely a lot more than it thought it was going to be. Yeah. A lot more than it was marketed as being. Yeah. For sure. That's the thing. I mean, the second time watching it, I was like, oh, this movie is smart. And mm-hmm. weird and complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to want to return to it. I love movies that are smart and weird and complicated. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, for most of it, right, we're supposed to like Lorraine just because she's a badass. She's cool and she's hot. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's like... She's competent. We did a lot of whoa. Yeah, exactly. Of course. (laughs) Lots of very good late 80s lingerie happening. It's good stuff. Yep. It's like wonderfully gay. Super duper. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just got all of this great. It's it's just so 1989. Yes. Like all the neon, so much the great soundtrack. music. The soundtrack is perfect. Uh, just visually, just so you know, all the women have bangs. Yeah, Walkmans. Like, yeah, Walkman. Yes. Like when the the French lady, she's in her hotel room. Yeah, and she's got her Walkman to hanging off of panties. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, it's... I just find it a fascinating movie. Uh-huh. I don't even know if by the end we're supposed to... I feel like it's the, one of the few movies about spying that really makes you feel like the confusion. You're of... like, was I complicit in this? Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly, because it's like you get so far down deep into the rabbit hole where just everything is lies. Mm-hmm. Everything <laughs> then, is lies. The Her double cross at the end is pretty satisfying. Yes, though. yeah. And well, that, exactly. And that's when you like finally realize, like, wait. She's American. We only see the real Lorraine at the in the last minute. The last minute when she's on the airplane. And her hair's up. Yeah. Like, that's such a coup to me to have like an engaging spy movie where it turns out we don't even know the main character at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it should stay that way. I can't see a sequel working. I it really would have it to, seems foolish. It would, it would have to. They could do a prequel. 
Yeah, I just feel like now that we know like who right. she is, it would have to really go deep into who she is, and that might almost be antithetical it might to the spoil point. spoil it. Because then there's no mystery anymore. Mm-hmm. Because really, the enigma is like who everybody is working for. Yes. And by the end of this movie, we know. Yes. Unless they're going to just give us a whole other twist, and it turns out she was working for the Russians the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and, and that wouldn't sense. work. That wouldn't work. Because she never. she's somebody who never tells the truth. Mm-mm. And she can't. Except for in her eyes. Yeah. Which we also don't know if that's true either. She might Or be. if she was just, yeah, it's hard to say. Or if that other girl was just new. She was yeah. just new, but she, she was, she she ultimately beat Percival, you yeah. know? Without yeah. her, you know, she wouldn't yeah. have been able to. Without those photographs. Yeah. Where that we wouldn't have been the, able to frame him. That was yep. the hard evidence that was needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good stuff. Really yeah. fascinating movie. I'm very glad to have seen it. Um, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Do we have any final thoughts on it? Um, as far as Charlize Theron's action movies go, mm-hmm. I will say it's probably one of my lesser favorites. Oh. Mm-hmm. But this is also not much of an action movie in a lot of ways. No, it's really not. I just love it because it's weird and different. and I love it a lot. And like and f- just just bizarre and there's really nothing else like it. And, you know, why do we need to, to rank them? You know, we've got yeah, we, we have the joys things. of all of them. Yes. Why choose? You have like, I'm only saying it because our last episode was the old, <laughs> old, the guard. old guard. Yeah, we did recently watch the old guard, and that's great. And you know, Mad yeah, Max is a masterpiece. Absolutely, they're all they're all great in different ways. And we love to see her, and we can't wait to see her some more. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, she's gonna make more movies like this, oh, right? Because she's producing. Them. She has the producer credit. Yes, and and they're clearly working for her, and she's enjoying them. Absolutely. Like she loves why getting stop? beat up. Yeah. Why stop. Keep it yeah. rolling, Charlize. We love you. I just like that in this movie, she got to not just beat people up and get beat up, yeah, but to also play like a really morally gray, like Bond esque character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do all those things mm-hmm. that women never get to do in movies. No, they get to, and Charlize says, "I'm gonna do it, <laughs> and you can't stop me." Maybe a sequel could be her against Bond. Oh, I would watch it. Wouldn't that be so fucking good, though? Yeah, let's do it. Like, she's They've secretly set up the villain the, the whole the, time. The British rivalry, so... Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, that would be a fun direction for Bond to go. Let's just yeah. go back in time. Yeah. We don't Why need not? to make Bond now. Why not? It's better if it's old. Honestly, <laughs> even if it's not an official crossover... Right. Just have Daniel Craig be the villain in Atomic Bond too. Yes. Give us more Daniel Craig. Put them in just, a movie together. Just pit them against each other. Love it. Love that. Let them just really beat each other in the yes. They'll yes. just really just kick the shit out of each beat other. Beat their hair pink. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have recommendations? Me, me, me. Yeah, do it. So I, as you know, Ashley, I have been forcing you. Yes. To watch a certain television show yes. on Hulu. It's been which show so I've been us. binge watching season three of Shadow Hunters, oh. which is a television show based on the Mortal Instruments series by Cassandra Clare, a YA novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. YA novels um, uh, that I read when I was younger. The they had a movie that was fine, <laughs> <laughs> had a kick-ass soundtrack, but it was not amazing. Um, and then when the show was originally airing. I was watching it on TV every week, and I was really liking it. And then there was a finale, and I just fell away from it. And yeah. then um, they had the last season, and then it got canceled, and now it's on Hulu, and I'm finally catching up, and it's so dramatic. <laughs> and there's all these different things happening, and there's angels and demons, and there's vampires and werewolves. And it's the... just all of the supernatural YA silliness. Yeah, the headline for the book and the show is, that they repeat often, is, and it's really funny, is all the myths you learned were true. Yes. Um, but all, it all boils down to angels and demons. It all bo- They're all some variation of angels and demons. Um, and they're, it's, it's very fun and very violent. And also the f- effects are really good. Ooh. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty At impressed by the CG. At least in season three, they're really good. Yeah, I'm impressed by the CG. Like, it was pretty surprising for 
a freeform show. Yes. Yeah, that is for a network, like supernatural show. Um, yeah. The, some of these monsters look pretty good. Yes. And the best, most successful relationship in the show is gay. So the nice. gay relationship. It's the only reason I care about the show at all. <laughs> it's literally the only part that I care about. When that redhead's on screen, I'm like, it's amazing. That's what happens when you read the book, too, but she, she's the main perspective. She is the protagonist of the show. She's gotten, she's, there's been some twists that I've gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. That's... And she wears the wrong color makeup on her face. So. Jace had it wrong in another scene. You would have they hated are, it. They're wearing the wrong foundation and it drives <laughs> me up the wall. Her face is so orange. And she's got lots of bronzer on too or something. Something. Oh, Ooh. man. Come on. <laughs> and then she's got like a an evil twin who's an archie looking motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, her evil brother. Anyway. Oh. It's, it's Shadowhunters. It's a fun time. If... <laughs> If, if you're into that kind of thing. If you're into that kind of thing where it's, you know, kind of not that serious, but yeah. nice mm-hmm. and dramatic. Yeah, it's just some nonsense fun. Yeah. Put it on, turn your brain off. Leonora, do you have a recommendation? I I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really been watching much or anything like that lately. That's is it right. weird if I recommend my own short film? No, this is a perfect time <laughs> yes, to do it. Do it. That. So I made a short film with my family in quarantine. It's called Gardenia's Natural Life. It's on YouTube. And it is a cute comedy. It's so cute. It's really sweet and funny. I like it. You should watch it. Yes. Watch it for real. We we definitely recommend it. (laughs) Especially if like you're one of the people that have like not unclenched their jaws in a long time. Mostly we tried to make something that would help with that. It's very Sweet and... Just like a little nine-minute ray of sunshine. There's, there's cool. an awkward and cute. Yes. Yeah. Very low stakes. Very, very <laughs> low stakes. There's no twists. No twists. It's just... It's just sweet. supposed to be a fun soft. time. Yes. And your family are wonderful actors. <laughs> your brother is actually, like, A+. plus. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was great. Everyone was really great. We rehearsed a lot. We had a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> and written and directed by... Yeah, I wrote it and directed it. Amazing job. And we're gearing up to make another one. Yes. So, <laughs> that'll be fun. Yes. Very fun. Um, well, then, my recommendation um, is kind of silly. Um, I, love, I love Jenny Nicholson. Yeah. And she just put out a video, which I believe has not been taken down from YouTube. Oh, I've heard about this. Called The Last Brony Con, A Fandom Autopsy. I didn't know this. I was a little out of the loop. Jenny Nicholson was a huge figure in the brony fandom for many years. Really? Yes. Oh. She's a lifelong My Little Pony fan. (laughs) And so she was in, like, before bronies were a thing. Sure. But as brony dumb kind of sprang up, it sprang up around her. Oh my. Um, and so she talks. It's a very long video, but it's worth your time. Um, mm-hmm. If you find that kind of a thing interesting, I certainly did. Um, she first sort of talks about how My Little Pony fandom came about, you know, the history of My Little Pony, how bronies came to be, <laughs> and how Brony Con sort of rose and fell. Wow. It's very interesting to me. I need to watch that. Yeah. It's now it's like an hour long video. You actually reminded me I have another recommendation Yay! if that's okay. The YouTube series When Posting Goes Wrong. Love it. I just started watching that. I I watched the one actually about about the Harry Potter yeah. fandom Cassandra yep. Clare features in yep. that. The <laughs> author of Mortal <laughs> Instruments. There's three episodes so far. Mm-hmm. The first one is about the uh, stealing human bones Tumblr witch scandal. Mm-hmm. The second one is about uh, a infamous uh, Harry Potter feud. fandom feud. Yes. And the third episode is about a even more infamous Hamilton fanfic controversy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to watch it. I've only watched the Harry Potter one, so... The Hannibal, the Hannibal one? Hamilton. <laughs> the Hamilton one. <laughs> Hannibal actually does feature in that one. Really? Briefly. Oh my god, I have to watch. For like a split second. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. That one is the one to see. Uh, yeah, It's yeah. the culmination. It's wild I, shit from start to finish. Very interesting channel. Well done. 
Exciting. Well, there you go. You got stuff to watch, everybody. <laughs> that is it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. Check us out on Twitter, at LitMeritPod, for updates, news, and TikToks. Our, our occasional TikToks <laughs> that we'll share from other people. We don't TikTok no. ourselves, never. <laughs> we're, we're, we're almost 30. You just turned 29, I'm approaching 29. We can't. We <laughs> simply cannot. Uh, <laughs> and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud from his album Artificial Heart, which Leonora and I were just discussing today. Yes, because it's great. It's quality. Give it a listen if you haven't. Why haven't you? <laughs> it's very good. Until next time, remember, no, no guilty, guilty pleasures. pleasures.